Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Project Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Before we jump into the show, uh, we hope to see many listeners at the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference in Boston on February 19th and 20th. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you can get it at Northeast Cannabis businessconference.com and I will be there uh, with a podcast studio on the expo floor interviewing NCIA members so I'm very excited. Uh, I'm also excited to introduce my guest today David Valencourt. He's the founder and president of the GMP Collective which specializes in assisting cannabis and hemp businesses ensure profitability and compliance through repeatable quality by design principles formerly known as good manufacturing practices. He serves on NCIA's facility design committee also, and he's also a member of the AI International's D37 Cannabis Standards Committee, you'll have to explain that one later, where he developed and passed the first cannabis laboratory standard. Welcome to the show, David. Awesome, thanks for having me, Bethany. Absolutely. So let's get started by learning more about you and your background and what kind of work and, and education you have uh, before you got involved in the cannabis industry. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um, I'm always uh, enjoy seeing folks' faces as I kind of explain the chronology because it um, doesn't really follow a parallel path, but I, I don't think that most to get into the cannabis space do. So um, I've got a master's of science in a, a and a discipline that's called quaternary science, which most folks don't understand. Uh, essentially, it's environmental geochemistry. <clears throat> um, so then I worked in a couple of laboratory uh, analyses, testing labs, doing QAQC for the EPA, Environmental Protection um, <clears throat> Authorities, testing for you know, water and soil samples, as well as the Department of Defense. So looking at chemical weapons, such as mustard gas, which should not exist anymore. And we are working under an international treaty to ensure the appropriate and full destruction of. So fairly highly regulated environments there. Um, mm -hmm. And then one of the more recent, uh, the last real job I had, I had in um, before jumping into the cannabis space was project management with the Deepwater Horizon or BP oil spill assessment. So overseeing folks from Florida to Texas and all the stakeholders of which there were many to ensure that we were um, appropriately characterizing the environmental damages. So a little bit of everything. Wow. I mean, I would say that's pretty well-rounded. <laughs> and that you're, you're right. That is some, some regulate, highly regulated uh, industries there, which, which lends itself pretty well to uh, the cannabis industry, which they say is regulated more heavily than plutonium. 
<laughs> so, so as far as what got you involved in the cannabis industry and movement, how, how did that happen and why are you involved? What's your passion? Sure. So I really love education. Um, so I found consulting to be the best way to educate by accident, shall we say, or, or informally. Mm -hmm. And so after the oil spill assessment, where we effectively as consultants to the Department of Interior worked ourselves out of a job because we got all of the data for BP to settle. Um, I was in New Orleans at the time and had a great group of entrepreneurs that I somehow connected with through my community there. And um, one of them had started up a vape pen company in California, and I was really intrigued and fascinated and met up with him a couple of times and was just asking some basic questions like, hey, oh, you've got this, you know, distillate and concentrate, and you've got PhDs coming in and getting these precise ratios. Are you guys documenting that? How do you know that it's repeatable? You know, you've got your biomass that's coming in from all different places and uh, and do you have SOPs for these things? And, you know, what about safety protocols? And kind of looked at me and was like, hmm, uh, no. Um, <laughs> and then, I, then my follow-up question was, well, are, are you not required to, you know, is the state or whoever regulates you to? And he's like, not that I'm aware of. And I was like, you're, you're, you're legal, right? And he's like, yeah. And of course, you know, this was um, Pat Compassionate Use Act in, in the state of California. So right. pre MRSA, MERCRA, MACRA, whatever the recent acronym is, this is in 2015. Right. And he was kind of like, but those all sound like really great things to have that could actually help us. And so from there, I kind of went on this quest to understand what on earth was going on educate myself a bit more about cannabis. Um, I'd always been kind of a restless and passionate person for just new, exciting, different things. So um, kind of took it from there and started just looking for inroads to align myself with the cannabis space. Gotcha. Yeah. Vape pens were very new to me as a concept in 2014 when I moved to Colorado to work at NCIA. I mean, I, I just was used to putting flour in, in a bowl and lighting it with a lighter and, and vape pens were, um, they, they were groundbreaking for me and they're super convenient for sure. Um, and and I, I also, the idea of SOPs, process, procedure, quality control, so huge in the cannabis industry, especially fast forward now to 2020. Um, it is, it, it's encompassing of the cannabis industry. You talk to any business owner and everyone's talking about SOPs and KPIs and processes. And it's, it's super important. And I'm a bit of a project management and quality assurance nerd myself. Um, so, so they're very important, but I'm sure people who hadn't implemented them before were maybe intimidated, but it sounds like the group of entrepreneurs you were working with were excited and hungry for it. Yeah, they certainly uh, were. And, you know, that that reminds me of my first day on the job in the EPA testing lab where I had to spend, you know, two very dry weeks of reading a binder of SOPs. And the first one, SOP QA001, was the SOP on SOPs. And it <laughs> must have been years of, uh, you know, just laughing and kind of mocking that idea until you kind of turn onto the other side and you realize, yeah, I was, I, I took for granted that I was indoctrinated into this lifestyle of, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen, <laughs> write mm. it down, um, good documentation practices. So yeah, it's, it's, I understand why it's kind of novel, but then you realize if you want to go on vacation and have somebody else step in and do it for you, and hopefully the same manner, you need those. 
Oh man, I got to keep that in mind. You're so right. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So we can talk a bit more about that in the next segment for sure. Um, But yeah, so right now uh, you are working with, uh, you're the founder and president of the GMP Collective. So just tell me a bit more about the GMP Collective, what your day-to-day is like, what's going on with the company? Yeah, so we started in late 2018, um, kind of by accident. I was, you know, doing work as a subcontractor to a couple of other uh, great larger companies, and realized that there's kind of this niche of there's a lot of pharma, medical device, um, food experts out there that maybe have retired and are looking to get into this space. And there's also, you know, consultants that are straight out of cannabis and have, you know, whether it's education or some sort of background. Um, but how do you figure out who's a qualified consultant out here? I don't know. It's really hard. Um, you know, there's really no subject matter expert. So so that said, it was the idea of building a community of, of consultants with reputable criteria and uh, as well as kind of partners and affiliates in the space from architects, et cetera, uh, process engineers. So that's really where the GMP Collective was born. And um, in my day to day is uh, I like to call it the three L's leading, learning, and listening. I try to do a lot more listening. So this is um, this is fun for me to have to try to just talk a lot, which other <laughs> folks would actually laugh and say, David, you can talk quite a bit. But, um, <laughs> you know, leading a, a team to make sure they're empowered to, to make the decisions and make sure the clients are happy, uh, leading clients to success, um, learning because there is uh, so much to learn in this industry. Uh, there's no idea of... Uh, possibly being a subject matter expert in all things cannabis. Uh, there's just so much. Um, so I, I try to be a sponge as much as possible and, you know, listening because you can't learn when you're not listening. That's so true. So it, how big is your company? It sounds like there's, there's a collection of experts um, that, you, that you tap. Are they all full time or do you have like a, a contractor kind of set up? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So they're all currently contractors. We've got uh, one employee and then it's all 1099s in the sense that some of them have their own firms that they also consult in, you know, say under the farmer or food model. Um, but we've got about a dozen folks and then we've got six partners, preferred partners, we call them, that are, you know, either architects, engineering firms, um, database or, you know, GMP software providers, folks that provide those complementary services, because at the end of the day. Uh, If we don't have the answers, I'm not going to pretend that we do. Here's our core competency, but here's a group that we work well with, that we like, that can, we can steer you to. And to the extent we can be agnostic to any one provider, we also try to keep that in mind. That's great. It sounds like a nice diverse uh, collection of knowledge and experience and insight that, that any cannabis company could probably, probably use. If, like you said, like we all know what our area of expertise is and we just we simply cannot do it all um i I certainly could not jump in and fill in for our accounting person so um that makes perfect sense or would you want to (laughs) exactly (laughs) math is not my strong suit all right so we're going to take our first commercial break and then we'll be back to chat more with david valencourt of the gmp collective so stay tuned we'll be right back NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. It's time to Hemp Resent. 
I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Hem presents only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we've been talking with David Valencourt from the GMP Collective. Uh, so let, let's jump right in. We're, I want to talk about how our industry is really just becoming more and more sophisticated over, over the years, and we kind of hinted at this earlier in the first segment. We're talking about SOP, standard operating procedures, and compliance. It's our favorite word in cannabis. <laughs> and there's just so many requirements, including obviously seed to sale tracking. So right off the bat, I'm wondering what some high level advice you might have for cannabis companies in implementing just better processes, whether they're a dispensary or a cultivation or they're manufacturing extractions or edibles sure so let me first off apologize for everybody that has to um i don't know if deal with is the right term but navigate the seed to sale systems um i don't think it's a reflection on them but the way the regulators have set up this requirement for traceability is uh really setting up the industry for failure in many ways and uh kind of where i'm going with that is Folks that we consult with, we come in and say, do you have traceability of your entire product and everything that's involved in the product? And they're quick to say, well, yes. Are you not been in the cannabis industry? We have seed to sale. And I say, well, what about, you know, 
the propylene glycol or the MCT oil or, you know, whatever formulation you're using, whether it's in your tinctures or your, you know, your vape cartridges or what about the glass or plastic bottles that you're using? Well, that's not in the system. That, the state doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. But, but perhaps you should. And, um, you know, perfect example is uh, storing things in plastic. Well, plastic is, is a hydrocarbon, right? And, uh, you know, it's, it's an, based on oil. And uh, just as is cannabis. Like dissolves like. So there's actually been some evidence that, uh, for example, um, edibles or, or the new, you know, exciting beverages, infused beverages, if that's in a plastic bottle, next time you drink your plastic, uh, your plastic bottle with um, 10 milligrams of CBD or THC in it, look in and see if there's a little, little film on the inside. Because, Ew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. Well, I know. Well, unfortunately, that's all of your CBD that you're paying top dollar for. Oh, so, it just doesn't look pretty. Okay. Yeah, and it doesn't look pretty either. So, um, you know, back to that uh, traceability. So, are you actually documenting everything you're doing? And and if not, you know, you've got to start somewhere. Just start with product specifications. So, what do you actually want to achieve? Um, do you want to achieve 10 milligrams? Do you want to achieve 17% THC? It doesn't have to be an exact number. You know, the labs give you these results that are say 17.24% THC. Well, there's some uncertainty there and we all know that every bud is going to be a little bit different from across a batch. Mm. Establish a range, say 15 to 25%, make Mm. a range you can drive a bus through. (laughs) I like that phrase. Yeah. And then document it. And guess what? You're probably going to go outside of that range at some point. But unless you have documentation to establish what's a go or no go, you have no metrics to fall back on to say, we're doing okay, we're not doing okay. Um, Or you end up with, say, 150 SKUs because every batch that you harvest uh, has a unique profile and you have to name it something new or different. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, process. Process is so important. And um, I think listeners who listen to this show know I'm a little bit of a project management nerd. And um, so project management and quality control experts um, from other industries like yourself, I, I, you know, I want to hear a little bit more about what your learning curve was like um, coming from cannabis in order to serve them. I mean, considering the other other fields you came from, I mean, it's it's a little bit different, even though highly regulated. Uh, uh, is there anything particularly unique about cannabis industry compared to other industries you worked in? Certainly, you know, there's there's the culture. Um, there's an incredible amount of passion here, and that's that's what I love about it. I just love passionate people. But there's uh, one of the analogies I'll use is, you know, say you've got uh, somebody from Eastern Kentucky speaks Appalachian uh, English. You've got uh, an Irish gentleman, and then you've got somebody straight off the boat from say Beijing, and um, you know, pick a Swahili. Throw them all in the room and expect them to produce three million dollars of product a year. <laughs> that's mm-hmm kind of what we've got in terms of, you know, say, industry, uh, finance experts and combined with, you know, organic chemists and folks that have, you know, grown five generations. So trying to get them to all speak the same language has been an interesting, um, fun adventure. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> okay, so so let's say maybe that group of people has their documentation <laughs> and their SOPs and all their workflows built out. 
but then you still have to implement it. What's the best way to, to implement it and, and get your, your company, all your employees invested in following that process and training them and, and then maybe dealing with resistance to change. And another thing I like to bring up when you're, when you're talking about SOPs and workflows is, you know, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of lean agile. Like, are we going to the moon here? Are we, <laughs> no, we don't, we don't need, you know, 8,000 pages of process. I don't think. No, um, we walk in and a lot of times we end up uh, just kind of throwing it away and starting from scratch because, you know, it, it, unfortunately, again, I'll apologize. The industry was set up for failure because you have to write all these SOPs for your applications based on theory. And once you get in there, <laughs> reality hits the hits the floor. And different story. Yeah. Slightly different story. And so I like to go to the folks on the floor that are doing the process. What are you doing? Does it match the SOPs? If not, let's make sure it fits. And then let's make sure it complies with the regulations and let's move forward. So, you know, empowering those employees on the floor to make sure it's, you know, kind of their idea or they have ownership because they're the ones that are either going to set you up for failure or success by following these best practices um, is really kind of at the end of the day, what we try to focus on. So really the takeaway I'd say is, or my advice is, you know, change is inevitable, um, but you have to empower your team and have some trust and give them guidelines and, and work with them. And just, it takes time and it takes hard work, but um, it pays off. You know, one other thing that I want to mention here is, you know, we worked with a, with a client in Colorado on the CBD side, and they were very hesitant and worried about change. Even they didn't want to bring it to the COO, even though the COO had approved this project, but we worked with them to implement just some basic metrics, you know, talking about specifications and uh, establishing weekly management meetings. And within three weeks, they came back and said, wow, the executive team loves this. This is amazing. This is making a huge difference. They've been able to cut costs, improve their production output by twice um, the levels of what they were previously doing with a reduction in workforce because of you know some unfortunate financial crashes that mm -hmm. I think we're all aware of in the CBD market yeah. so um, you know and they're actually within probably by the time this airs will be ISO 9001 is a quality management system certification scheme that's been around for about 40 years and is also continually improved. Awesome yeah I those the CBD companies that have popped up during this during this gray time, we're waiting for the, the full regulations to come out from the USDA and FDA and so on and all the other government acronyms. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I think, I think, unfortunately, we may see some more CBD companies that have launched, you know, have to go through some real uh, painful changes for sure when those regulations roll out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so on one side, there's, there's these existing companies who have been around a little while maybe, and they're just kind of tweaking, adjusting their processes as they go along, which, which they should, that's wise. But in, in the case of brand new companies, like you were saying, when you apply for a new license, you write these pie in the sky business plans and shiny SOPs all ready to go. But as we hinted at, what, what are the challenges um, in, in starting this new business and starting from scratch and having, having to launch a brand new company. 
Yeah, you know, I would actually say that those folks, if um, prepared with the right information and the right team, are at a huge advantage because all of the first movers have had to figure out and navigate this space and come up with you know, what works. And, you know, there's a bazillion ideas out there and which one is the best uh, kind of remains to be seen. I'm sure there'll be multiple ones, but, you know, really at the end of the day, this is manufacturing if you're in the, you know, manufacturing, processing, extracting space. If you're in the cultivation space, it's agricultural practices. So let's look at what exists, whether it's from the USDA, the FDA, or other, you know, World Health Organization, or the regulations in states like Colorado, perhaps that have been around for six years and gone, you know, six, eight years now and have gone through enough iterations. Uh, you're kind of at an advantage to get it right from the start. So I really like working with new companies at this stage because we've seen enough of what doesn't work that we can get you up and running to sh with what does work much faster. It's a lot easier than, again, that whole change idea that's very scary once you've developed maybe not so good habits. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about not having to reinvent the wheel. Absolutely. It, especially if, if something is working. That, that makes perfect sense. All right, uh, we're going to take our next commercial break, and then we'll come back and wrap up our conversation with David from the GMP Collective. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany, with NCIA, and we're interviewing David today, um, and we're wrapping up our conversation here. Uh, I mentioned in the introduction uh, that you're a member of NCIA, obviously, and you also have taken your membership to the next level by serving on one of our committees. Um, the committee that you serve on is called the Facilities Design Committee. I was wondering if you can talk a bit more about the committee and what you guys are working on. Sure, yeah. So we're working on a couple of things. Um, it's, we're a new committee this year, so it's the first year of our group, and um, 
with the exception of I think two individuals on it, we're all kind of new to this process. So again, trying to figure out how to best effective effectuate change, how to best provide and live through the mission of NCIA, you know, educating and advocacy. So we're developing right now a couple of white papers that should be released uh, you know, within the next few months regarding best practices in terms of designing your, your facilities and buildings. So both from the greenhouse perspective, as well as from the manufacturing perspective. Nice. Um, when, yeah, and we're also working on kind of generating a repository, a library of sorts to kind of, again, comb through all of the you know, white papers and literature that's out there because you can you can find a white paper that speaks to whatever argument you want to find. And you know, there's probably some science backed by it, but there's probably a lot of uh, fluff in there. So we really want to come together as our group of subject matter experts and vet them and say, hey, guys, you're on, you're with the NCAA, we're, we represent, uh, you know, kind of a nonpartisan group of diverse stakeholders that can steer you to these best documents that can help you kind of weed through everything else, no pun intended, of course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the puns, they they never (laughs) stop. No. But this, this information is super helpful. And I I love what the committees do when, when they, you know, of course, I manage the blogs with, with our members and committees and the white papers. So thanks for the heads up uh, that that'll be heading my way. Uh, These resources that are put together by people that are actually in the industry. And, and as you said, you're, you're working with your fellow NCIA peers uh, to come up with these best practices. So I'm, I'm so excited and, and thank you for stepping up to, to contribute to ultimately, you know, all, all this best practice information. So um, anybody getting into the industry or just looking to up their game, we, we're providing more and more resources for them to do that. So that's great. Certainly. Yeah. And the other thing I'll add, if I could, um, you know, we're also looking at other other groups, right? We're not here in silos at NCIA. Um, and there's a couple of great standards groups out there, such as ASTM International. There's um, you know, AOAC. And you know, they're developing best practices through their own uh, kind of route. And the, the extent that we can parallel path that and support it, I think from you know, our NCIA standpoint, uh, all the better, right? So that's, that's another thing we're looking to do. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Um, So as we wrap up the last couple minutes here on the show, uh, let me quickly mention for NCIA members, we have a member exclusive event series coming up in March. It's called our Cannabis Caucuses. Uh, We are only having one tour of Cannabis Caucuses this year in the month of March. And you can find more information about these evening networking receptions that take place in eight cities across the country on our website under events. And of course, the Northeast Cannabis Business Conference is February 19th and 20th, coming right up here. And you're going to be uh, speaking at one of our lightning lessons on the expo floor. Is that correct? Indeed. Yes, I am. I'm I'm really excited. And I think you used the quote that um, became part of my title, which is don't reinvent the wheel. So I'm really excited to... (laughs) I'm so glad to be an inspiration. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, And then we have about a minute left. Uh, I want to ask you this like big, big reflective question. Um, NCIA's 10-year anniversary is 2020, later in the year. So we're asking everybody, where were you 10 years ago? Could you have imagined you'd be in the cannabis industry? And then also kind of look into your crystal ball and let us know what you think the cannabis industry will look like 10 years from now in 2030. 
Oh my God. Yeah. 10 years ago, I was, I believe working on the, as a field uh, technician on the oil spill assessment. So mm. long very before different. I got into the project management. Yeah. Very different. Uh, cannabis was far from cannabis and legalization was far from on my horizon. Mm-hmm. And 10 years from now, uh, I really hope it's the craft beer model. You know, I, I think a lot of folks are scared of the big companies coming in. Um, they're going to be here. You know, it's just going to be like, but we're going to go to BC uh, for our BC bud. We're going to go to the Emerald Triangle for, you know, our unique craft uh, craft bud out there. And I'm really excited to see uh, folks in Colorado, Massachusetts, uh, Louisiana, perhaps, uh, be able to buy that that same product. Hundred percent. Yes, I, I definitely feel like there needs to be a good balance of boutique and mom and pop, along with the the bigger companies for sure. the The consumers will drive the market for sure. Um, so we've run out of time. Um, where can people find out more information about the GMP Collective? Sure. So easy enough. A couple ways. Check out our website gmpcollective.com. You can shoot us an email. My email address is just david at gmpcollective.com. And uh, otherwise, come find me on the expo floor at NECBC. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.